All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Okay. To, what is it? January 30th. Wow. we got two days left in January, then it's February. So you're almost, you know, about 10% through the year, you know, probably about 9% when the, by the Tuesday, Wednesday. So I hope you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you're not, now's the time to write the ship. Okay. So today we are very fortunate from the Sahara branch to have Mr. Ophir Barashi. And uh, Ophir, if you could hit star six, because you've been muted, everybody's been muted, hit star six on your phone, and then we'll be able to hear you. There we go. There he is. All right, right. Ophir, take a little few minutes, introduce yourself, tell us a little about yourself, all that good stuff, my man. Sure. How we doing? This is Ophir Barashi. I've been in real estate for a few years now. Uh, Jumped on to Berkshire's platform uh, about seven months ago now, which is crazy, time flies. Started a team with uh, my dad and partner, Sean Barashi, who's been in the industry for close to 30 years now. And mm-hmm. um, I only focus on commercial real estate, specializing in medical office and traditional office properties. That's awesome. That's great. And your father's been with the company a little longer than that, though, right? Yeah, I think, what, eight years, I think? Nine, maybe? Not sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been some time, yeah. About the same time as me, I think, actually. I think he came when I first got here, and, and I, I've been here almost nine, well, eight and a half years myself. So. There you go. All right, since most of the people on here do residential, I think it'd be good for them to hear, Ophir, like, you know, um, what's in a normal day for you? I mean, doing that kind of stuff, office buildings and uh, you know, medical and so forth. And how is that market right now? Yeah, good questions. So I'll start with the first one. So the day is actually probably very similar to how residential agents work, right? You're focused on prospecting a lot. So I make cold calls too. And uh, I database all my information on my own, you know, pull information out of several systems that um, we subscribe to, uh, come up with the ownership records for each one of them, and just start hitting the phones to start to, to try and figure out, you know, who owns the properties and if you can have meaningful conversations with them so you can meet them and propose certain solutions to them. So the, the, that in practice is probably very similar to residential agents, what you guys do. Um, mm-hmm. the, the other parts of the work that I do is, you know, working on the deals that I already have. So if I'm already in escrow or, if I'm putting a deal under contract or if I'm trying to market a property, then I'm creating all of those, you know, materials to make sure I get the deal done and I get the deal done right. Um, so that mm-hmm. was, you know, for the most part, what I do all day is talk to people. That's the easiest thing to, to, to encompass it all is I talk to people all day long and talk to people about properties. So, some of the things that I talk to them about is what, what I'll answer your second question with is the, the, how are we looking? You know, what's the, what's the forecast and what's the current outlook on office properties and commercial properties in general. So mm-hmm. um, I recently went to a CCIM luncheon. CCIM is like a certified commercial investment member. They have their own, badge and uh, it's a pretty cool network um they had a gentleman come from one of the 
um, escrow companies and give a really cool um, uh, presentation about the, the the current state of of commercial real estate. And in general, mm-hmm. what's happening for us is that uh, cap rates are starting to compress. And cap rates, capitalization rates, are it's it's essentially one of the many metrics that we use to help guide investors to figure out what's my return on investment. So right. cap rate is typically a, a cash on cash return. Usually it's presented in an unlevered way, which means that they're not getting financing on the deal. And it typically shows, you know, 6% as the cap rate in today's market. A year ago, you know, there, there are many ways to gauge um, how strong the, the properties are or the asset types are. Cap rates are one of those ways. It's not foolproof, um, but it's a decent way of, of seeing how things are. And I think the pandemic did a number on traditional office for a while. And so traditional office, you know, ones like where we work are um, not as hot as they maybe used to be. It depends on the area. It could be in suburban versus, you know, urban areas. Uh, there's a difference in, in values for office properties there. But there are medical office properties, which is what I work on, which are very strong um, and, and, and highly sought after because they, mm-hmm. you know, withstood the test of, of the pandemic. Um, you know, many medical office properties were forced to stay open and had to stay open, had to, had to remain open in order to function, and they were necessary. You know, I mean, you need to go right. to a doctor. You can't just do that from home. Whereas you can work from home from a traditional office like uh, like we right. do even today, you know. So it's changed the landscape uh, probably forever. Uh, the pandemic in terms of remote work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has too. I mean, you know, like you a lot, and I think it's part of the real estate boom right after because a lot of people were like, okay, if I'm going to work out of my house, I'm going to get a casita, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, and I think yeah. it actually sparked the upper end for a little while too. Yep. Well, so that's that's a really great point, Rick, because what we're seeing in the commercial space is we're seeing that influx of money still start to pour out from the pandemic. So a lot of people had the opportunity to save uh, and a lot of people had the opportunity to start to invest. But what's happening today mm-hmm. for us is we're still seeing a lot of 1031 exchanges. Now, a 1031 exchange, I think that's also somewhat common in residential, right? Because it's, yes, it's it still an yes, it income, income to income type property, right? So you can trade yes. residential rental properties. So the same thing right. goes yep. for commercial. Yeah. And it's really popular in commercial. So you can defer your capital gain tax. Um, and what's right. happening on the commercial side is now we're starting to see all of those 1031 exchange monies that were accumulated through the pandemic, you know, as, as property prices skyrocketed for certain assets and certain cities, especially a lot of people start to take that money and put it into other assets. And there's that's still happening. For example, uh, I just sold a property the, last Monday. Um, we should be closing on another property this week. Well, hopefully we're closing on two more this week. And one of the ones closing this week is about 5.75 million. It's a medical office multi-tenant property in town in Las Vegas. 
and we're going to take nice. those monies and we're going to try and purchase another property anywhere else in the country. Um, but what I was trying to say is that those monies are starting to run out. So people, because sales are starting to decline, 1031 mm-hmm. exchanges are starting to decline. And when those kinds of uh, exchanges started to start to decline, there's not as much cash available to make purchases because right. today the cap rates are still well below the interest rates. And so right. a lot of times the math won't work out unless you've got cash. And right. 1031 is the best way to do that because most people don't just carry millions of dollars on, of cash with them. And so once these right. exchange funds start to dry out, then we're going to start to see a, an influx of, of properties with higher cap rates. Um, and by that, I don't mean that there's going to be more properties on the market. I just mean that the, the properties that go on the market won't sell unless they're being offered at a higher rate of return because it, the, the math won't add up to finance. Right, and it won't That's be worth doing it. So, so, so give them a brief explanation of what a cap rate is, basically, please. Yeah, so, yeah, so a, a cap rate is a, a return on your investment. So the way that you look at it is uh, you take the price point of the property that you're selling, and you look at the net operating income. So the, that's the income that the property is generating um, after expenses. So you take your, right. your income, subtract your expenses. That's your net operating income. You divide that NOI by the price, and you get your cap rate. Right? Right. So if your property is 100000 it's making $100,000 a year, and you've priced it. Let's, let's do it a little bit better. Let's say it's making uh, $72,000 a year, and you're selling it for $1.2 million. That's a 6% cap rate. Right. And right. I only know that because yeah. I then, just sold a deal exactly like it. I'm not that good at math. <laughs> good. Yeah. So that's, and then, you know, you divide it by 12 and that's your monthly income basically. Over, exactly. Uh, it, yeah. 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 So as an investor, that's how they're looking at it. Okay. I'm putting this money in. Yeah. What am I getting back? And if, yeah. the, if the cap rate is decent, they follow through and buy it. Otherwise it's not worth them going through. Right. So now let's talk about the financing part of it because that's really important and how most of the deals get done. So let's say I mentioned that it's a 6% return if it's 72,000 at 1.2 million. But what happens Mm -hmm. if you can only put 600,000 down and you got to get a loan? Well, that cap rate is going to be a lot lower because you've got debt that you need to service now. And so you got to pay off that debt. You're paying off this interest as well which is, you know, essentially money that you're burning as a, uh, a benefit of getting money from the bank. Uh, and so you have to take that into account when you're calculating out your levered uh, cap rate, your levered return on investment. So uh, right. that's so, typically going to be lower, right? So it could be 4%, it could be 4.5% instead of 6 Right. So you have to look at so, that too. And, and so the goal here in Las Vegas is what it sounds like is to have a 6% cap rate, 5-6%. Is that, is that it? It depends on the asset class. It depends. So there's a lot of – you're opening up a, a can of worms there, Rick, which is great. Um, so there are so <laughs> many different ways to evaluate a property, and that's primarily what I do. Um, so that's, that's my value 
as a broker, aside from making sure ushering deals in, making sure that both parties are happy and satisfied and all the information is presented, is I provide brokers' opinions of value. So, or a broker's opinion of value. So essentially, <clears throat> I calculate out what a property is worth by looking at other properties in the area that have sold uh, recently that are similar enough. And mm-hmm. I help determine what the return on, uh, of investment might be because there might be a difference in lease terms. There might be a difference in the type of tenant and the credibility. There's a lot of factors that go into evaluating a property um, and so <clears throat> your, your question was, remind me, what, what, what was the question? The, the, the goal in Las Vegas is to be at least at five, six better, seven's awesome cap rate. Okay. Yeah. So as a so, general rule. Well, uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's weird, right? Cause it's not necessarily a rule, right? If you looked at, let's say a right. 15 year lease. Uh, and you're looking at, let's say, a Taco Bell. Okay, so it's a corporate guarantee. It's a huge company, um, and they're selling. They're, they're, whoever, someone is selling this Taco Bell. It's corporately guaranteed by Taco Bell, and it's got a 15-year lease on it. Well, that's really strong. That that's going to probably sell closer to five and a quarter cap, even though that's well below the interest rate, because it's going to last for 15 Have a ten- years. Yeah, right. and it's a really strong tenant. It's typically going to be mailbox money. It's going to be an absolute triple net lease, which means that the landlord has no responsibilities at all. So they're just getting paid. That's it. So right. A lot of times, those those kinds of retail properties end up selling for a lot higher or a much lower cap rate, much lower return, because they're seen as a much more stable, safe asset to hold. So it yeah. depends, right? Like a traditional office, <clears throat> let's say you've got, I don't know, name a company that nobody else knows that's here in town and they're going to be here for, you know, they signed a lease for three years. Yeah. I mean, that's not a very stable, safe asset in comparison to the Taco Bell. That's probably going to go for six and a half, seven, seven and a half percent, right. depending on the condition of the property too. It just depends on right. how much work needs to be done. Yeah, and, and I think what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to illustrate a little bit is you see a lot of businesses moving out of other states to here. Part oh, of it yeah. is because of the investment, because of the cap rate, because of the uh, taxes. You know, there's a whole bunch of reasons oh, yeah. why you see that happening, right? That's right, yeah, and the taxes are, are a big part of that. In fact, we're looking at uh, a number of exchange properties right now across the country, and many of our investors who are in an exchange are – purposely selecting states that don't have personal income tax. There's about eight of them, right. Nevada being one of them. So that's another, right. that's, that's another metric that shifts the valuation of the properties. You have to take into account that, hey, you're, you're not going to be paying income tax in this state. So you know, this asset is, should be a little bit lower of a cap rate because you're saving some money on the tax side. So it's more valuable to you. Right, so the same property in Nevada compared to the same property one state over, even if it's identical and has the exact same amount of foot traffic and money, it's probably valued a little bit higher in Nevada than it would be in Utah, for example, because of the taxes. Right, because of the tax rate. 
And then I saw a lot of people in California doing that too because they have a very high personal income tax rate as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, and it depends yeah. on how much you make, but it could be as high as 13, 13.3% in California. You know, it's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, people wonder why, you know, uh, you see, and, you know, that's the great thing about Las Vegas, especially in the business you're in, is, you know, it's really probably just at the beginning, even though people have been moving here oh, for a yeah. long time, businesses, it's still really early on, there's plenty of room to grow, there's plenty of buildings, yeah. there's plenty of businesses, so the opportunity is really high. Yeah, I, and I think here it's tough to keep up with demand. I feel like we don't have much supply on the market because it just gets grabbed pretty quickly. But look at how much mm. more is coming to town. We're just getting started as a sports city, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, obviously, I, the Golden Knights opened up that door. The Raiders yeah. came in. We're going to have a baseball team. We might have a basketball team. There's there's a lot happening here. I think I think you're right. I think we've got a ways to go. I, I think we'll have a baseball team within three years and a basketball team within five. There you go. You heard it, yeah. you heard it first here. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, most people didn't think the Raiders would come here, but when it once it happened, it happened pretty fast, didn't it? Right. And then all right. the buildings. Can you think about like one of the one of the property owners around there? You see what happens on game days with their parking and so forth. It's really a, a very opportune place to be right around that that stadium. Well, look look at what's happened with industrial properties, you know, around the, yeah. around those areas. They skyrocketed in price. I remember, I don't know, a year and a half ago, even when industrial was like. 180 a square foot now it's 300 right. bucks a square foot yeah and, right. and industrial absolutely took off especially here in vegas now there's zero inventory you can't find it um it's very difficult right. to find an industrial property for lease uh and and for sale it's the prices are so high the cap rates are so low yeah i think there's gonna Craziness. be a little bit of a correction there a little bit not much but a little bit Supply and demand. Well, just like the, just like we had a little correction, I, I would saw, I would call it a flattening out because you you know when you have double digit appreciation four years yeah. in a row in Las Vegas. Look at Las Vegas. I was reading a stat last week that uh, you know, and basically since I started this job, you know, if you've been in the business here for ten years, uh, or if you've owned a home for ten years, you know, your property value has gone up four hundred and twenty five percent. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. So it had to flatten Not out investment. at some point. Yeah, yeah. Not a bad investment. I think Vegas still finished out the year at about seven or eight percent, you know, off of twenty-four percent, off of twenty percent, off of eighteen. So you can only go at that rate. And the same thing with your business, right? Commercial and Dutch can only go yeah. appreciate for it's got to level out and let other things catch up to it. Right. I mean, usually they they I mean theoretically, not usually theoretically they they should appreciate similarly to what inflation, somewhat. Yeah. Right. I mean. Uh, Shouldn't shouldn't the values of properties, in terms of just the values of properties, forget the investment worthwhileness, but just the properties right. in general, don't they tend to correlate somewhat to inflation? Well, I, I, I think that what the goal is to make it a little better than inflation, but unfortunately, mm -hmm. real estate doesn't doesn't go in, you know, um, you know, like just like yours, it doesn't go in. Uh, you know, it's like it, it doesn't go even. It's Vegas was right. even for years until it became a real city. And now that we're a real city, you know, and a baseball team and a basketball team is going to make that even more. And that's just one thing. And there's other businesses and industries coming here too. But yeah, in a perfect world, it would outpace appreciation, uh, you know, just like the dollar and 
it would outpace appreciation by, I mean, uh, inflation by a little bit. But unfortunately, it happens in big, big sums and then levels up. And right now, it's probably very close to, uh, or even a little behind because inflation is kind of high. Right. But um, I think inflation is headed back six point something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, often, you know, it was at eight. Now it was, it was down in the sevens. Now it's in the sixes. And that's going to, once again, that, you know, Wednesday, that Fed meeting is going to be huge that's for right. real estate rates oh, yeah. too. But I think they're going to, I think they're going to say, this is our, whatever it is, 25 or 50 basis points. Yeah. I think they're going to say, this is our last one for a while. They you may think even so? say to the end of the year. Yeah, I think they are. It's my guess. Once again, you heard it first here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing, but I'm, there I'm you go. slightly an educated guess, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see what they'll do. I think I think a 50 basis point jump will be a little bit more unexpected than a 25. And I think yeah. I was thinking they would do it twice. They'd do a 25 and another 25, just to make it kind of a, a smoother quick. landing. Yeah. But if yeah. they hit 50 right now, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna cause a little bit. I think it's gonna be just that push over the line yeah. that it is gonna really dramatically slow investment because 50 basis points well, from where we are now on the interest side unnecessary. is quite a bit. Yeah. It's quite a bit. Yeah, it's unnecessary. I mean, but, but let's yeah. face it, 4.75 increases last year were unnecessary. You know, they overdrew yeah. the economy with stimulus money, right? Yep. You know, what is it? Uh, 15 to 20% of money currently in circulation was put in circulation in yep. the last two, two and a half years. So yep. that's the issue. Government spending is the number one cause of inflation. So they overjuiced. Now they're trying to overcorrect, and uh, that's when you, you, know, you, you run into problems. But you're right, so they can't back away from their idea now. So 0. No. 0.25 would be perfect because they haven't even let this, you know, these, I should say, rate increases of last year take effect yet. So continuing to go down that road. But if they were to say, remember now, there's the rate increase of the base rate, and then there's what they say after. Almost what they say after is more important. It's much more important, rates. you're right. Yep. Yeah, and, and the stock market and all that good stuff. Yep, that's right. Yeah, anything anything Jay Powell says moves markets. It's not even the yeah. the, the change in the interest rate. It's what he says. Yeah, and, and if he were to say, "I resign," that would be my favorite two words <laughs> out of his mouth. <laughs> well, that that would also move markets. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. Anyway, I'm just I'm somewhat joking, but uh, all right. Well. Any, okay, so, um, so we mentioned how, and this has been very educational. I hope that people were you know, definitely taking some notes because I think that what we're talking about from an economy standpoint, commercial, residential, they feed off each other. You know, you're never going to see a great commercial market and a terrible residential or vice versa. They run together, and the activities are pretty similar. And I love that you say, I talk to people all day, and you say, just like residential, I wish our resident agents were talking to people every day more so that's very helpful in doing deals right i mean how else could you yeah right you you don't personal promote yourself into commercial deals you talk to the people that actually own the properties right you have to yeah and you have to get in front of them in other ways you know talking to people on the phone is one thing but i think a lot of people also genuinely respect you going face to face that tends to be um, at least pretty respected on the commercial side, even if they don't tell you that it, it shows. And that's how I got that right. $1.2 million deal I was talking about earlier was I just decided to walk in one day and talk to the receptionist and the owner happened to be standing close by, and, which I didn't know. And um, I gave him my card and he called me the next day. 
and that's how it started. And nice. eight months later, I got a sale. So right. know, it's, uh, it's a really fascinating industry in that way that all you have to do is talk to people, know your stuff, you know, do your research, learn everything you possibly can about what you're trying to sell, what you're trying to do, and you can make a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah, you can. And, and I think that initial contact, people will say, well, they don't know me. Well, remember, they may not know you, but like your name, Barashi, in the commercial, your father, you know, and, and you now, definitely. And the and the and also the, uh, you know, the Berkshire Hathaway name is very helpful as yeah. far as, um, they're like, oh, he's with Berkshire Hathaway. Okay, so that's very helpful as far as that goes too. So absolutely, get out there, talk to people. I think you're rewarded okay, for your ability to, you know, make yourself a little uncomfortable because that's a little uncomfortable. It's a lot uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Yes. It's uncomfortable just to pick up the phone, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's difficult to call that number and then think you, you have to be able to detach yourself from the situation. You have to not mm-hmm. worry about what the outcome of the call is going to be because if you're worried about what the outcome of the call is going to be, then you're not going to do well on the call. But if you just call yeah. and just explain who you are and what you do, you know, it's not going to work with 99% of the people, but with the 1%, it creates a deal. You know? And that's the thing that's tough about this industry. Yeah, it's tough. It's yeah. tough in this industry because you have to be willing to take so many no's to earn one yes. But there are creative ways to increase your chances of getting a yes or decrease your chances of getting a no, right? You just have to find out what that is for you, which is different than what it is for me. We just have very different approaches to talking to people. Our our personal value proposition is very different from one another. So you just have to know what works for you and mm-hmm. hit, hit it home. I love it, my man. All right, well, perfect. We're at time here. I just want to say thank you very much, Ophir Barashi, for taking your time out today. Ladies and gentlemen, pleasure. if you have commercial needs, Feel free to refer them over to him at the Sahara branch. All right. And then take, thanks for taking your time out. Everybody else will pick this up in thank a week. You. Ophir, thank you. Appreciate your time, my man. Talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody.